What's up, Ethos Lakers fans? This is your host, JC DeLeon, for a solo edition of the season opener recap of the Warriors versus Los Angeles Lakers. And is it already time to cue the sad music? It might be. Because that was a dreadful showing. When most championship teams, after the ring ceremony, there's a little bit of hangover. There's a little bit of sense of entitlement because you've literally just won a title the Golden State Warriors even have a scandal in their midst that would crumble most teams but now on the opening night of the 2022-2023 season the Golden State Warriors prevail over the Los Angeles Lakers to the tune of 123-109 to and to look at the box score doesn't fully tell the tale of what happened tonight because one of the most peculiar things you're going to notice about the box score if you're somebody who dives deep into the analytics and the first thing you look at is plus minus what's going to jump out at you pretty astoundingly is the fact that anthony davis was a minus 21 in plus minus but he played great He played great defensively. He was unstoppable on offense. Shot 10 for 22, which doesn't sound unstoppable. Did miss three three three-pointers. Shot 7 for 9 from free throw. But he grabbed six rebounds. Got four steals, two blocks. Turned the ball over three times, but only, only two fouls. He was a monster inside. But the trouble the trouble with a team like the Golden State Warriors is they don't really play much inside. Although they do this year with James Wiseman. The, the small Golden State Warriors, with the addition of a, at this point now, kind of semi-veteran James Wiseman, aren't exactly as small as they used to be. Which... Brings me to the next thing that might jump out at you if you just look at the box score and didn't watch the game. Every member of this Lakers roster played tonight because it was a blowout. You know, Max Christie played, Scottie Pippen Jr. played, Cole Swider got some minutes. But there's one DNP CD. And he was healthy, and he made the trip. Damian Jones did not see a minute of playing time tonight. And he, in theory, matches up pretty well against James Wiseman. Didn't see a minute tonight. Don't know what that's about. The the Lakers are are thin when it comes to center. Although Anthony Davis played tremendously at center tonight. And hopefully under under Darvin Ham, he can embrace that role as a starting center. Which, I mean, the guy's seven feet tall. He should embrace being center in this league i don't know why he doesn't want to this has been a repeated discussion on this show but to take a further dive into the box score lebron james who started out the preseason kind of slow with that 0 for 7 showing which had some people concerned uh 12 for 25 made all of his free throws which you're glad to see 14 rebounds four offensive rebounds uh, eight assists 
five turnovers, which is not ideal. Minus nine in the plus minus, but he had 31 points. You'll notice I didn't mention his three-point shooting, and that's because I'm going to talk about the three-point shooting as a whole for this team. And spoiler alert, it was fucking terrible. Russell Westbrook, the man of the hour, the guy whose name is going to be on everybody's lips with Lakers fans. Shot 7 for 12. Very efficient night for Russell Westbrook. He even made a three-pointer. Four for five from free throw. Grabbed 11 rebounds. Got three assists. Got a steal. 19 points for him. Not a bad night. But Charles Barkley touched on something at halftime. And it, it doesn't feel like Russell is playing with any joy out there. Which... Could be for a multitude of reasons. Could be, you know, the amount of pressure he's under by Lakers fans. And Lakers fans, admittedly, I can look into the mirror when I say this, aren't maybe haven't been the most fair to him. But, I mean, the fact that he's not the perfect fit or not even a great fit for what it is that gets the most out of LeBron James or what it is that a LeBron James roster can be capable of. I just don't think Russell Westbrook fits. And this team has glaring holes. Glaring holes that would be easily addressed by the one trade that seemed to have the most traction and even almost happened. If Russell Westbrook were traded for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, it would solve a number of problems with the Lakers. Anthony Davis could finally play the four. Like he wants to. And the way he played defense tonight, if he played that kind of defense as a power forward next to Miles Turner, nobody is scoring on this team inside the paint. And... Even though I haven't gotten to the rest of the team and how they shot threes, I mean, I'm here with Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald by himself wouldn't fix it. But this team tonight shot 10 for 40. They put up 40 three-pointers, and they made 10. Yeah, Buddy Heald's not going to solve that by himself. But he'll help. And this team clearly wants spacing. This team clearly wants to shoot wants to shoot threes and if they want to do that they need guys who can do it Russell Westbrook can't do it Anthony Davis can't do it Patrick Beverly can barely do it even LeBron James can semi-competently do it he shot 3 for 10 from 3 tonight Last season was by far the most three-pointers per game that LeBron James attempted. He attempted eight per game last season. He's already at ten in game one. And he made three. Which is probably going to be where he's at for the season, about a 30% shooter. And the Lakers' big three, as far as the box score is concerned, those are really all 
that's worth talking about. Patrick Beverly played. He scored three points. It was minus five and a plus minus. Three steals, which, which is nice. You like to see that. But he also had five fouls. Couple of assists, couple of rebounds. Shot one for five from three. Not ideal. Lonnie Walker shot two for seven. Missed all three of his three-point attempts. Couple of rebounds. Two rebounds, five assists. Five assists is nice. One steal, one block. Five points. First off the bench, Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn finally makes his Laker debut. And his Laker debut wasn't bad. Plays 23 minutes. Shoots five for nine. Three for six from three. He's the one competent three-point shooter and the one that I would trust with the full green light. And rightly so, because for his career, he's 35% his rookie year, 38% his last season in Miami. Um, the previous season last year didn't play at all. So he's got two NBA seasons under his belt in which he's for his career shot 36% from three, which is above the current league average. So yeah, I would trust him with the full green light. Austin Reeves, he's always going to play one of those games that don't really show up on a box score. He played fine defensively. Didn't do a lot offensively. Didn't have a lot of opportunity to. He shot one for three. Missed both of his three-point attempts. Finished the game with three points. Wantscano Anderson, former Warrior. Scoreless, 0 for 3. All three of his attempts were field were three-point attempts. He grabbed four rebounds. Fairly non-impactful game for him. And that was basically the bulk of your rotation. Kendrick Nunn played 23 minutes. Austin Reeves played 16. And JTA played 14. Another number that might jump out at you as far as minutes, and this is kind of where Darvin Ham's head coaching inexperience might become a negative. 18 minutes off the bench. The 15th man on the roster, Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan is a three-point specialist. He shot extremely well in the preseason. He was one for three tonight, though that one basket being his only three points. Pretty non-impactful defensively. So... From the box score, yeah, a lot of things jump out at you as concerning. Well, the only one being the minus 21 for Anthony Davis. That's This is going to be an exception in which plus minus isn't, doesn't tell the true story. But we have to know what was going on with, with Damian Jones and why he didn't play tonight. Because he would have matched up really well with James Wiseman. And it might have even freed up Anthony Davis to do more, even more damage defensively than he did. If you're looking at the Warriors box score and you're curious about how Draymond played because of the whole punching incident with Jordan, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green did not play well. Even by his standard of playing well in ways that don't show up in the box score. His box score is pretty typical of what Draymond does. 
Uh, made two baskets. Grabbed five rebounds, had five assists. No steals, no blocks, no turnovers. But Kevon Looney, seven points. Six rebounds, two assists, had a steal. Jonathan, I'm sorry, Jamichael Green, eight points, seven rebounds, two for three from three. The Warriors might be in a position to where they're, they might be looking to offload Draymond now. Why am I mentioning that? Well, because Draymond clearly has a really close relationship with LeBron James. I don't want him on this team. <laughs> There was a time in which in which Draymond's brand of basketball would have been welcome on any team. But I think as he gets older, he's undersized for what he does. And when you're undersized, as you get older, those things become harder. And to look at what Draymond does off the court, and I mean you could say this is LeBron James too, but to to sit to see what LeBron what Draymond does off the court, you can easily say his focus isn't there. And after four championships, maybe he's not as focused on winning. And again, you can probably say that about LeBron, but LeBron at the very least is still performing. 31 points tonight for him. But I want to get back to the three-point shooting. And I wondered on a grand scale, or at least in the past few years, how how bad it is to be a dreadful three-point shooting team. And I went back three seasons, which isn't a whole lot of time to go back on, but I was curious. And so for the, the 2021-22 season, just this past season, the league average in three-point shooting was 35.4%. The best team, ironically, being the, the Miami Heat at 37.9. The worst team being the Oklahoma City Thunder at 323 so it's really a 5% difference from the worst team to the best team in three-point shooting. It's not the end of the world. And if you're wondering what was the lowest place three-point shooting team that made the playoffs, it was the 27th worst playoff shoot three-point shooting team that made the playoffs, and that was the New Orleans Pelicans. To look at the season before, the best three-point shooting team was the Los Angeles Clippers at 41.1%. The worst team being the Cavaliers at 33.6%. So a little bit of difference there at 8%. And to look at that season, the, fir the, first, the first worst team, I guess, if you want to say that, the lowest... Three-point shooting team that made the playoffs was the 22nd worst three-point shooting team in the Washington Wizards. And even they shot 35%. Season before, 1920. Best three-point shooting team, 38%. The Utah Jazz, the worst three-point shooting team. The Atlanta Hawks at 33.3%. Worst three-point shooting team that made the playoffs that year. The 26th worst shooting team, the Orlando Magic, at 36, I'm sorry, at 34.3%. 
So is it the end of the world if the Lakers are a terrible three-point shooting team? Not the end of the world. If they're going to continue to shoot 10 for 40, yeah. And I think the lesson to take away from this little exercise that I did was that there's not going to end up being much of a difference between the worst three-point shooting team and the best three-point shooting team. Ideally, you'd want the Lakers to be in that top half. Because of the top half is where mostly playoff teams live. It was that way in 2019-20. It was that way in 2020-2021. The first team in 2020-21 that didn't make the playoffs at 37.6% was the Golden State Warriors. And that was one of the years in which they were ravaged by injuries and they lucked out in the draft with multiple lottery picks that they've then turned into really good players. And then last season, uh, the LA Clippers were again a wonderful three-point shooting team at 37.4%, but they didn't make the playoffs. So three-point shooting is not the end-all be-all indicator of where a team is going to end up being. But it's not a good look if you're a terrible shooting team. 10 for 40, ain't it. And that Darvin Ham in the middle of a game couldn't coach his team into better decision-making than shooting 10 for 40. It's kind of an auspicious start for a head coaching debut. But let's go ahead and see how the rest of the Lakers week goes. And as far as the show goes, now that the season has officially started... Um, Ethan and I are going to commit to two to three shows a week. We're going to really try. I think we're definitely going to do a Monday and a Wednesday show. Or, I'm sorry, a Monday and a Friday show. And depending on scheduling, of the game schedule, and personal schedules, and you know what's going on, we'll try to do another one in the middle of the week. And so, my original idea was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But seeing as how the season opener was on a Tuesday, I'm guessing now you won't hear from us again until Friday. So, for sure, Monday, Friday. Whether it be a solo or a duo, you know, one of us will, one of us or both of us will be on Monday or Wednesday, and then we'll, you know, we'll try to both be on as many shows as we can, but there'll probably be a lot of solo shows just due to the fact that we want to commit to, to, be, to a schedule for you guys. But anyways, so the Lakers next game is on Thursday and they play the L.A. Clippers. The L.A. Clippers are supposed to be very, very good this year. There are a lot of people's picks to be number one in the West. They're now fully healthy with Kawhi Leonard. You've seen from my little three-point shooting exercise that they're a great three-point shooting team. The, the fact that Kawhi Leonard is back doesn't really affect that because he doesn't shoot a lot of threes. But he's impactful defensively. And then after that, they play on Sunday against the Trailblazers, and then no game again until next Wednesday. So they start the season off with some decent breaks in between games, and so there should be, in theory, a lot of time to kind of address and look at what might be going on. Or if you want to trade Russell Westbrook, you can do that too. (laughs) 
But uh, that's going to go ahead and do it for this show. The season is officially kicked off. Did not start on a great note. 123 to 109 loss to the Warriors. It is what it is. But before I go, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Michael Bridges before any other rank list? That's right. It was the Brisky 150. And you probably turned those huge huge wins into cash, didn't you? Well, the Brewski 150 is now available to all Fantasy Monthly members, including the extremely affordable Fantasy Pass at just $5.99 a month. Head to sportsethos.com to upgrade to Fantasy Pass now and dominate your drafts. For this episode, I'm your host, JC DeLeon. You can find me on Twitter at JCDeLeon1. You can also follow that handle on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow Ethan on Twitter at Ethan underscore Naroff. You can follow the show at Ethos Lakers on Instagram and Twitter as well. Until next time, hopefully with some good news and a win, we're out.